Welcome into another episode of the Sick Podcast of Draft Vogel. I'm John Vogel, your host, and today we've got polarizing prospects on the mind. And there's a few in this class that there seems to be some people that really like, other people don't. And we want to get into the nitty gritty and talk about the details. Justin and Mark are both here. Shane back in the studio as usual. Shane, let's get us started. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Draft Vogel. With the first pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. The first pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. With the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. The sickest NFL Draft show. It's going to be sick. So recently... We haven't had a lot of time, the three of us, to sit down and talk ball. So I, I feel like this is going to be a, a reunion of sorts, if you want to call it that. Something where we can kind of sit down. We've done a lot of great interviews. If you haven't checked them out already, uh, be sure that you, if you're not subscribed on YouTube, if you're not following us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform, you need to be doing that. Stay up to date. We have some really great ones that we've done here recently with John Rice Plumley, Ben Bryant, Trey Knox, and Kamani Vital. Several guys that are going to the NFL Combine next month. One of the Gabriel twin, uh, the great Gabriel and Grayson Murphy, the Murphy twins, uh, and then Austin Reed, quarterback out of Western Kentucky. A lot of really good guys we've had come through here, uh, and that's your opportunity to sit down and get an inside scoop into how they operate and how they see the game. So uh, let's go ahead and bring the guys in and get this thing underway because. Justin Gams in the house. Mark Jarvis is in the house. Oh, Marky Mark, how are we guys doing? Happy to be back, buddy. <laughs> I feel like we said that last time too, but it's been a tough season for us. Trying to get all of us it, together. So, you know, it's getting everybody together and getting everybody on the same page. That's two completely different things. But the thing I've noticed about the three of us over our time as analysts, you know, and, and working in this industry we tend to kind of be on the same page for the most part. So when we talk about polarizing prospects, one of the things that's kind of interesting, I think is when we talk about people that we look at and, and all that stuff, like you were normally on the same page. So we got a few guys here that we wanted to talk about and get into some, you know, details about, and I honestly have no idea where you guys are with either one of the first couple of guys that we're going to talk about, but I wanted to get us started off talking about JJ McCarthy the Michigan quarterback who I I guess he's polarizing because I've seen opinions all over the board. I've seen national there's real, no real consensus. Yeah. National champion winner to your starter yep. Michigan. Um, Mark, you've been quiet here in the first minute. So why don't we put you in the spotlight? Tell us what you oh, think Mark. about JJ McCarthy. Mark, oh. you got a cool haircut, by the way. He looks so sleek right Thank now. You. Oh Thank yeah. You. No, it's <laughs> I just buzz it down real easy, make it nice and simple. Um, so for me, McCarthy, I tape grade, I was thinking more maybe late one, mid to late one, depending. Um, I'm not necessarily seeing the type of, oh, he's going to go top five. Um, to me, and I can pull up my notes real quick if you don't mind, because he kind of put me on the spot there with it. Also, my daughter's downstairs yelling, Daddy, 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 Daddy. <laughs> hey, we, as we always say, this is a family a podcast. Yeah. Um, Wait, no. so, so my notes for him, quick setup and release really stands out. Efficient footwork, 
Uh, I stay downfield when he has to break the pocket. Very clean, catchable ball. Uh, hits guys in the stride. Really good, consistent placement, whether he's throwing from the pocket or on the move. Composed guy, not going to panic when he's put under pressure. Not a high, high-end athlete, but a guy who can escape, continue to make plays outside of structure. Uh, very consistent. What I wrote down in the notes was very steady heartbeat, regardless of the situation. And really like the touch and placement overall. Kind of an average arm, not a guy who's going to really wow you with velocity, in my opinion. Um, some of the real far side uh, throws will float a little bit. Uh, but overall, one of those guys who I think the biggest question with him is going to be more about, hey, why didn't he get more of a workload? And obviously, they kind of just, they're a juggernaut. They kind of just march through everyone. And, you know, it shows with you march your way to a national championship behind that running game. But I think that's kind of the question is, hey, did we see enough of him really put in bad situations and pull them out of it? Is that something he can do? Or is he more of just not to label him a game manager, but is that more of what he is? Yeah. Good call. Yeah. I think I saw the best comp for him recently, and I think it's starting to float around um, like a lot on Twitter the past few days, maybe like week. But it was Alex Smith. And I think he's got a stronger arm than Alex Smith. But when you talk about frame, athleticism, um, types of guys they are, like overall as players and quarterbacks, like they're nearly identical. Um, I think the cool thing about McCarthy is he's got a better arm. He can You see sometimes his feet get a little wonky. Sometimes you can tell he doesn't follow through the right way with his release. But he's got an arm sometimes where you're like, that's, you know, I think Eastern Carolina, was that the, it was that game and a few other ones where he threw some far – far hash throws um, one to the end zone. And you're like, dude, that's a, he can cannon it there. If he needs to, he can really drive it in there. Nevertheless, I think, you know, in a redraft, everything, you know, about Alex Smith today, everything, you know, where would Alex Smith go? Like in a vacuum, where would you, where would you draft him? Getting that type of career and that kind of consistent, like steady starter. Where does Alex Smith go in your opinion? Do you guys top, top 15, right? I would think Probably he's, he wouldn't be first overall because you know you got Aaron Rodgers in that freaking well, draft I mean, class. Yeah, <laughs> even if he's not in that class, though, like even if he's just a talent, you just say, "All right, I'll t- I would take that guy top 15. You agree? Yeah, I'm not that's opposed. what. I, what's that? I'm not opposed. To that. I would say yeah, top 15. Top right. 15. It, it, it's class dependent too, right? Like if it's like let's say yeah. you throw him into like the the class with Pickett and Willis and all those guys. Yeah. He's going first. It's a far different conversation. The class right <laughs> yeah. now where it's like, Hey, well, we've got, you know, potentially, you know, three, four guys ahead of him. Right. Right. But I think that's where I've kind of landed on uh, JJ. And I think every, you know, people were either like way too high, like when it wins national championship, blah, blah, blah. He has to go first. He has to be the top quarterback. How could he not? And then you hear the guys that are like, well, he didn't get a workload. How could you ever draft him high? And I understand that because he didn't get a lot of reps that we really want him to get. And there's not a lot on tape that we wish we would have seen. But that's the Harbaugh offense. That's the way Harbaugh operates. So we can't really hold it against J.J. as that he can't do it, but more that it's going to be a big learning curve when he gets to the NFL. But I think he is worth that top 15 pick, like you said, John. And I think it's more of just kind of finding that middle ground and realizing, look, if we get Alex Smith with a little bit stronger arm, there's a lot worse you can do. And a quarterback needy team is probably going to pull the trigger on that, you know. Nine out of ten times, maybe ten out of ten. I like the Alex Smith comp. I think that I hadn't <laughs> seen that one yet. So that tells you how much yeah. I'm paying attention to what everybody else is yeah. saying. Um, <laughs> it's best to no, it, 
sometimes, you know, I like yeah. to grind the tape instead. You know, it's like I see y'all and sometimes I see things and sometimes I see things I really don't want to. But um, one of the things I think that's really interesting about him was, yeah, you talk about the usage, you talk about the offense. And I was talking to, I think it was Manny Diaz when I was down in Mobile this couple weeks ago for the Senior Bowl. I ran into him at Veets. So, you know, Veets is where you run to everybody. And that's the place to be. Yeah. And uh, Manny was great. Um, You know, you kind of had, I kind of had to prove to him at first, like, hey, I actually kind of know what I'm talking about with football. (laughs) And so here's how the conversation goes. It's basically like, hey, can I ask you, uh, how you doing, coach? How's everything? And he's like trying to get away, you know, because he's whatever. It's, you know, it's a bar and Veets and Mobile and who knows. And I just said, hey, coach, I said, can I ask you something about Chop, Chop Robinson? He said, yeah, what you got? I said, so. Does he have a plan going into a rep? And he kind of leans in. He's like, what do you mean? I said, is he, well, if he's going against an inside puncher, horizontal setter, like, does he know how to handle that? And he's like, oh, okay. And the mitts came off. We started talking ball. It was great. Uh, so anyways, like Manny, he's he was telling me about the, his edge rushers. He said, if you want to understand those edge rushers, go back to the Michigan game. Because the whole first half, they couldn't run a three-step drop without getting hit by either yes, Chop or Adisa. They were tormenting. So that that's game. why that's why they ran the ball thirty fucking times in a row. That's a <laughs> quote, a direct quote. Okay, so yeah. if you look at the Michigan offense last year, and when they would face you know those defensive fronts like that, where they had the issues, which they didn't have a lot of issues all year, you kind of understand. Yeah, they could lean on their run game. They had three running backs that they could rotate through there. A couple guys that are going to be really early picks and Blake and Blake Corum. I think that he's probably, you know, a day two guy. And then you've got, you know, uh, Donovan Edwards, who will probably be a day two guy next year, if not sneak sliding up into day one. His versatility is dynamic. Yeah. Um, not to say that he's the best running back next year. I don't know. We'll see with the long process before then. But, <laughs> You're you know, that don't. offense, yeah, right, that offense yeah. limits you to a certain extent, yeah. you know, yeah. um, all the different with the uh, with, with what you want out of your quarterback. So what I did see is you go back to the TCU game, you see that he has an arm and that he can throw the ball a freaking mile. So uh, TCU, I think last year in the playoff was the best game for him to kind of showcase his overall skill set. I think he's a little bit better of an athlete than people want to give him credit for, because you see him pulling away from people he has no business pulling away from, you know, uh, turning corners, breaking angles. Overall, though, I have to wonder, like, you guys are talking about game manager. When I I didn't think I was going to like his tape, but when I got done with him, I was sitting there like, I'm not so sure, like, Drake May's better than this guy right now. I'm really not. And it's because, like, when you see, yeah, it's you, you don't know exactly what he's done. What he, you know, he limited, whatever you call it, limited quarterbacking, a lot of underneath throws. He's a you could see he's really on top of it with processing. They're running all kinds yeah. of different, you know, scheme types from the RPO to under center traditional offense to shotgun spread. Like they're throwing all kinds of stuff into this offense. And he's he's running it and he's processing. And you can see him make those adjustments. He, he doesn't miss many people that are open. And so when I kind of got done with the tape, I was kind of like, I, I'm not so sure like, the guys, the three that we've been talking about up here are really the top three guys in this class. He's got yeah. that kind of upside 
where we could be looking back at this as a redraft, like you're talking about, and he's really like a top five guy in the, in the class. Yeah. Here's I'll, I'll put this out if you don't mind. Sorry to interrupt again. Um, no, you like the game manager thing. I would agree with that because the tape, just going off purely tape, you would say he doesn't look like one, right? But if you look at the profile overall, I feel like it looks like one. I watched the tape, and it's like this guy just doesn't miss. He's very, very consistent. He's comfortable in every situation. And his overall game, you just you fall in love with it. But at the same time, you see, okay, yeah, he passed against Penn State in a close victory and things like that. And you start to kind of wonder, okay, is the was the rushing game that dominant to where they just leaned on that all the time? Or was it, you know, what what was going on there to where they didn't feel comfortable kind of turning him loose more? And it might just be, hey, that's just what the scheme was, and that's just the situation he was in, and you have to project solely off the tape, and I get that. But I think people are going to be divided on that in the league of how much can you overlook that when you're risking an early first-round pick. No, no right. that's so, a good point. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would so, say that you're going to see the the same type of divide between the older scouts and the younger scouts that you saw with Will Levis last year. That's what I think. That's not a bad – I mean, that, that's a pretty similar scenario. That kind of makes sense. I understand that. The, the thing people are going to point to is that the staff raves about him and his demeanor and, like, how comfortable he is, how prepared he is, how good of a processor he is. Plus, he's a winner, whatever that means, but he did win the national championship. You know what I mean? I think the only thing you can really knock him for, like, legitimately, is just the amount of reps that he got as a quarterback throwing the ball and stuff. But, yeah, there's the, the main thing is just is that his fault? Or not, and when you look back at Harbaugh's offenses in the past and everything he's done, his blueprint is always the you know the path of least resistance. And if they know they can win running the ball, they don't. He doesn't think twice about taking the ball away from JJ. And it's not saying JJ can't, but why risk it when you know like this safe option will get us the victory? And I think that's what sucks about JJ and why he's so polarizing. But well, I mean, and it's also the thing too. It's like even though it's not his fault, is it going to affect his NFL future? And it might because there's got to be that point when he gets to the NFL. If he goes down and you know a team asks him to throw 40 times a game, there's probably a lot he hasn't seen and a lot he might not even know about his own passing abilities yet. So you're probably going to have to live with, unless he goes somewhere that allows him to really kind of like creep into the game plan like Alex Smith got to and just kind of become slowly better and better and better. But if you ask him to come in and kind of go balls to the wall, you're probably going to have to live with turnovers and some boneheaded decisions and just a, a guy that's kind of uncomfortable. But I think that's where teams get that advantage of they're going to meet with him and kind of learn who he is and know if he'll be able to bounce back from that. But us, we're just hoping like, well, I saw like two sick throws against Eastern Carolina. Hopefully those translate next year against the Ravens. You know what it I mean? It wasn't even just that. I mean, like he had that throw against, I think it was Ohio State where he threaded double coverage. It was a 15-yard throw over the middle to Roman Wilson. Yeah. That was – it showed right velocity, right? right oh, right. he can he can put it through a window. Yeah, he can and ignite it a little bit. No, and, and that's what you see flash. But yeah. going back to the whole point of being a game manager in that offense, he's not asked to. Yeah, your whole purpose is to win ball games. And yeah, you can go back and say the one game that he lost as a starter at Michigan was against the University of Georgia, who won the national championship and who was in the playoffs. Like he's, yeah. they, they've never really had to fit. Well, okay, no, no, no it was TCU. My bad, excuse me. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, wait. Yeah, McNamara, <laughs> what did I remember? <laughs> who lost to the national championship. That's one thing. Yeah, and I was thinking, I was thinking from two years ago. But So yeah. TC is his one loss, and that was really a controversial loss. They, it was back and forth. Some of, the, some of the calls didn't really go their way. 
especially there in the first half that kind of took two touchdowns off the board. But he showed a lot in that game that we hadn't seen yet. And it was the one time you really saw Michigan in that situation where they looked like they felt like they were out of control. The rest of the time, they've always been in control while he's been their quarterback. And I think that says something, you know, to the to the aspect of how well he's picking up on the game plan, how well he's understanding how he needs to go out there and take care of his job and what he needs to accomplish. And I think that's why he's going to walk into interviews as reported. Everybody around him says it. He's going to blow people away. I keep wondering this question too. switch him and Jaden Daniels this past season. Is LSU better than they were with Daniels? Is Michigan better than they were with McCarthy? Because personally, I don't think Michigan wins the national championship and is a better team with Jaden Daniels as their quarterback as opposed to J.J. McCarthy. I don't. I think, you know, J.J. was so smooth, so poised. He made some, you know, insane throws over the middle of the field through tight window. He just did so many things under pressure, but he did them so calmly. And I don't know if that, passing game when they called upon it looks the same with Jaden Daniels on you know under center where I think he could have done a lot of the things Daniels did with his arm and probably could have done things with his arm that you know Daniels ended up doing with his legs but I think McCarthy was such a better passer in certain scenarios that my argument would be LSU probably has the same win loss maybe a little better and the passing game is more consistent where Michigan is not the same and that's not the greatest argument because we're more about projecting going into the NFL as opposed to what they would have looked like last year. But I think that's just me trying to say McCarthy is capable of more than what was asked of him. Um, it's just now to teams to figure out like how much more, how much can he become, you know, what's his floor? What's his ceiling? Is he going to come into the league and look like Baker Mayfield or is he going to rise up a little higher than that? Should we keep him at Alex Smith level? It's kind of that type of thing. So, but he is, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Do you, do you think that if you put um, Daniels on Michigan that they would rework that offense to play more into his running ability? Yes, and that might have not gone well because he's the skinniest guy I've ever seen. You know what I mean? Like I don't – and that's another part of Jaden that scares me is that frame – we talk about how dynamic he is as a runner, which is fantastic, but that frame is not something I want him to run with. You know what I mean? Like I don't think that's something you say that's part of our game plan because you're asking for him to get killed eventually. And he's not the slithery, snaky type runner that Lamar is, where Lamar can really contort himself, knows how to avoid hits. Jaden is kind of more of a RG3 type runner, where it's north-south, and you see him take some monster hits because of it. And I just don't know if putting that aspect of football, which is him, the quarterback run, into the game plan is super, super smart. It might have won in college. But I'm not confident in that. I, I, I can't be confident saying that that would have been the best way to go about it. The other question I had would be, do you think the narrative around McCarthy is different if he doesn't win a ch- national championship? Let's say they lose by 10 to Bama. Yeah. I don't know. I rarely hear that argument. Like, I've heard it a few times, like, well, he's a winner. But it's not from the most credible people. From the people that I trust and even you guys and, like, the, the podcast that I listen to with, like, you know, DJ and Bucky and – some of like the you know the more respected podcast of guys who know they're talking about. Rarely do I hear them say like he won a natty, so that's why he's boosted. It's more about his flat, like John said, his flashes on tape and the poise he has and how calm he is. You mentioned that in your eval of him, Mark. It's like he's always at this, you know, this pulse. It's you never see him panic or just do stupid shit. He's not pulling a Baker Mayfield in the backfield crapping himself or a Jimmy Garoppolo spinning around when there's no one on him. He's very almost boring to watch sometimes because you're like, ah, he's doing the stuff he's supposed to do. It's not 
not exciting because it's not bad, but it's also not Caleb Williams where he's asked to control the offense and guide it, you know, 50 times a game. It's more of just do this rep, do this rep, keep us on schedule, steer the bus, everything's good. That just reminded me of all the people I've seen say he's Zach Wilson 2.0. It's like I cannot think of guys who are further apart in terms of the way they play the game. Well, people are saying that about Caleb. They're saying that about JJ. I, it's it's like the new comp for anybody that kind of makes plays off scripts is Zach Wilson. I hate that. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> we got one other guy that's a little bit polarizing right now because I think the consensus on JJ in this room, at least from what I'm hearing, is he's a prod. He's a projection because we really don't know. We like the flashes. If you like the flashes, you're going to like them really high. If you don't like the, if you like the lack of usage, you don't like that, then he's not going to be high. Oh, um, but he is one thousand percent a projection at this point. You're projecting him to do well. But I mean, that's yeah. part of scouting, right? Is projection. So, and I mean, uh, John, you probably real quick. You might have a better. You're more up to date with all this stuff, but like, it really depends on. I mean, like the 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 team that JJ gets drafted to probably will immediately give us like an insight into like, ah, shit, this is not going to go well. Or like, Oh, that's a perfect fit. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. I know you're, you're up to date with like, who's the offensive coordinator what they do, all that stuff. So is there any team real quick? Is there one team in the top 15 that you're like, no, he should not go there. Or, and is there also maybe a team that you're like, that's perfect. Well, see the thing with him is he's a West coast quarterback, right? Right. Quick processor, keep a lot of stuff underneath, but has the ability to put it down the field and do all those things. Yeah. 25 teams in the league this year are projected to be running a West Coast offense. It's exactly so, what Michael Lombardi's been talking about like for the last year. Everybody's doing the same shit, and yeah. it's guarding a desk. That's literally what's going on. Okay. There's not what, really – I mean, if you look at the other two, if he goes to an Air Coryell system, are you going to be happy with that? Probably not. You know, he could probably go run a, a Perkins or Earhart system and be just fine. You know what I'm saying? Like, he'll be fine. Okay. What's one team in the top 15 that you're like, please don't go there, though? Just curious. Vegas. Any? Maybe. But Vegas is even supposed to run a West Coast. It's just going to be a weird West Coast. Yeah, I mean, they've got Devontae. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's going to be Luke Getze is, is the OC over there. So, I don't know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Interesting. No, it's – it's. I don't know. That all. I, I feel like JJ is not going to get picked high – unless it's a team that knows exactly what they're doing with them right off the, the bat. So that'd be my guess. Interesting. I like it. Uh, Keon Coleman, Florida State wide receiver. I think he's an X. I think he's a number one. But uh, Jarvis, you went first last time. So Gam, go ahead and tell us what you think about Keon Coleman. Because I, I really don't know what you guys think of him. I was just talking this morning to uh... – Guy I used to do a podcast with Justin Walters, who is Sports Ruckus on Twitter, and we were talking about Keon, and he said, "You know, I, I want to, because he thinks his his opinion was Keon Coleman is probably going to go in the last ten picks of the draft of the first round if he goes in the first round, and that's the same range as a guy like Ad Mitchell from Texas, who is thin, borderline skinny, but so explosive in his movement, such a loose route runner." The ceiling for him looks high just because of the way that he can play outside his frame. But he's, you know, so like sleek and explosive. It looks like a sports car out there running around. Where Keon is a big physical dude who has some uh, yard after the catch potential. He's a returner sometimes that we've seen him make some big plays like that. But it's all it's more of he's not going to burn you with speed or suddenness. 
but we were talking about it, and I, I just thinking like when I watched Keon play, there was not a game this year where we watched Keon and you don't feel him on the field. Like he has presence on the field, even though he's not the fastest, smoothest, whatever, whatever. There's so much ability he has as a contested catcher and just a physical dominant dude that defenses will have to respect him. And if you pair him with another good receiver on an NFL team, that's dynamic. I mean, that's just a dangerous duo. It's dynamic. I don't know if he has the highest ceiling as an X, but I do know that his strengths are hard to find in today's day and age. We don't see a lot of these big dudes coming in dominating anymore. It's a lot of run after catch types. It's a lot of guys that are kind of throwing the ball when they're open as opposed to throw it and he's open. He's a dying breed. And I think just the the way that he's so physical and so big, it's worth a first round pick if you know how you're going to use him. I wouldn't say that I advise a team that has you know no other good pass catchers to really take him and expect him to carry the load because he's not going to be open all the time. He's not a separator. He's not that guy that you can just say, run the entire route tree. You're going to look good in, against all the cornerback ones in the NFL. He's not that guy. But he is probably a number two as far as like target and volume share. But he can probably be your ex and play in line of scrimmage and you know kind of mess people up in his releases and get his hands on cornerbacks who want to get their hands on him. He, he wins a lot of those battles, which is crazy to see. He can move dudes around, and his techniques can get better. So I think he's worth a first-round pick. I just think you got to have a plan with him. Don't run your offense through him. Jarvis? <laughs> I'm going to break out PFF on you, Gam. I'm going to break your Yes! Yes! So man, right that, after the episode, too. Man, come on. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just read their book. I have to do Um, I have to ask first, what do you think he runs? I think See, I'm the, higher the, on people than – I think I'm higher on Keon. I think he's going to run faster than most people do. Well, here's the problem. We used to say, what are they going to run, and it felt legit. Now it's like, what does he play on tape, and what is he going to train for for the combine, right? Like Nikhil Harry ran in the four fours and he's a four seven guy on tape. And I think Keon is like the redo of Nikhil, but he's a much better, but he's like the successful version. I think he's gonna run four five five. That's where I'm gonna settle at. And I could be so wrong, but that's where I'm settling at. Off tape, I think he's a four five five to four six guy. And I think he'll probably get okay. get to the four five five. What what do you what do you think, John? I'm thinking he's running a four four five. Okay. Ooh. Or point one. I, I think he. I think he ways. comes out with a crazy, crazy athletic profile. Like the bird's gonna might be close to forty. Former basketball Sweet player. Crazy. I mean, he's gonna jump. I, I feel like he's gonna jump. I feel like his jumps are gonna be elite. His speed is the only part of his game. Not, not that just a lack. former basketball player. There, Cam. I mean, he. This guy played four games. What was he? At Michigan State. Oh, okay. <laughs> At Michigan State, bro, he was no. Yeah, he, he actually took. He's a play big there. time player. Yeah, he's a big time. Player. That's think so about just think about how crazy that is. You're in college. You're taking full time class schedule. You're playing football, and then as soon as the football season's over, you're going over there and working out with a top twenty five basketball team. Think about that right, for a second. Right. That's right. I think I think his jumps are crazy. I think he's going to jump out the gym every which way. I think everything he does is good. I just think top end speed is where we're going to be. Like that's the only yeah, thing. No, I think he he's. I think he runs a four point five in shorts. Personally, that's that'd be crazy because then we'd see him fight for like the top four to five. Like he'd move into the Odunze, Marvin Harrison Jr. neighbors, maybe Brian Thomas range of like. Well, he's also fast and big. So now what? That'd be cool. I 
I'd welcome that. That'd be amazing. Sorry, Jarvis, we cut you off there. But yeah, sorry, we've been we're over here. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what we're talking about anymore. The, the stat <laughs> I was going to mention is his contested catch percentage. He was thirty three percent. He was ten completed out of thirty attempts. Now take that for what you will with how they track it. You can you know say oh they misjudged this. It's not a real contested catch so and so forth. That's lower than Marvin Harrison. That's lower than Odunze. Odunze is twenty one of twenty eight. Um, that's lower than Luke McCaffrey, Jalen Polk. Que- uh, question, real quick. On the list, FF charts contested catch. Yes. As anytime there's like a guy on your back, even right. So like a deep throw that went over your shoulder and you basket caught. If there's a guy on your ass, that's contested catch, correct? Mm-hmm. I I'm gonna say I don't know. I don't want to misinterpret so the way they do it. So I think that's, that's, that's exactly what it is. But yep. what I'm saying is it is lower than almost every other, you know, right. receiver at the top. And that's why I, got, I think I got the other the other guys are faster. So they're probably going to be able to separate more. I think he's making a lot of these contested catches that are actually true contested catches as opposed to these other guys who are faster than him making just regular catches that PFF is labeling as that. And that's where I think that part of his game lacks a little bit is that speed. But John, and, go ahead. and one of the things, too, that I've seen about Keon, you know, some of the deeper an- analytical people talking about separation percentages and like his margin of separation is among the bottom tiers of wide receivers in this class. But don't care. If you also look at the other Florida state players, they're all at the bottom too. You know why? Because as much as people love Jordan Travis, he could not deliver a good ball half the time. Yeah. So if you're throwing to a guy that's running a four or five, and you're throwing it to him like he's running a four six. You got to reach behind you. You got to slow down for that catch. Now that separation percentage that we're talking about, the, the average, decreases because now that defender's closing in on the play. So that's not even a great statistic to bring up because what I see from him is he's good through his breaks. I really like his route running ability. I think he creates a lot of initial separation. There's a lot of plays where he has to slow down and make the catch. Now Jordan Travis is probably going to be a really good backup quarterback in the league. I think he sticks around for a long time. Clearly loves skate, loves football. I love that about him. He's Gardner Minshew. But, he's Gardner Minshew. Right. He's not a guy that you're going to sit there and say, oh, yeah, this is how I'm going to build my franchise around this guy. He's going to go fifth, sixth round yeah. if you know his medicals hold up, which they should. I don't see why they wouldn't. But that's where he's going to be. You know, yeah. whereas with Keon. So Keon and Johnny Wilson was a, was a victim of this. Jaheim Bell was a victim of this. Like, they have these really bad – you know, separation charts because of the lack of, of accuracy that they were playing with at from the quarterback position. So to me, one of the thing the other thing that I'm gonna bring up about Keon as well is like we're talking about six four, two fifteen, basketball player, football player. I really do think he and that's why my projection on him is so high is because I think he tests out of the water. Yeah. I think that he blows everybody away. I think everybody's gonna be like, oh my God, who is this guy? Blah blah blah. We put him up there. Now, with some things I've heard about some of the top receivers in this class that I don't want to go into publicly, not yet, not prepared for that, as I've learned this year. Don't go into – don't say everything publicly. Um, I think that there's a really good chance he could sneak ahead of a couple of guys we've been talking about for a long time, especially if you've got a wide receiver room that needs an X. You've got a guy that could be – or two guys that could be really good complementary pieces. You just need that one guy on the outside. And I think that the other thing, the contested catch thing that you brought up, I'm going to give you another stat from PFF. Brock Bowers last year, 22% contested catch rate, according to PFF. 
What's that comparable <laughs> to other tight ends, though, is the question. Well, I mean, that's but that's my point. It's so much Brock of it depends on the fine. Yeah, so much He's of it depends fine. on the play call too, though, because I mean, half the time when you're running a back shoulder fade, I'm not trying to separate. I'm keeping the the corner on my hip. Yep. Right, like I don't want to get ahead of him. I'm making sure he's with me. The the play that sent what was it? The Clemson game was it the game winner or into overtime, where they threw that just contested catch to Keon against Clemson, and then they went on to win. That play was called. They just said Keon, go run over there. We know a guy's going to be in your ass. We're just throwing it up to you. You're not even supposed to separate. Like just go there. You're big and you're better. Do this. That that's why some of those stats, like I get how they're useful, but. That's you know if you, that's why we had that you know the episode talking about PFF. We'd be sitting there with the PFF guy and he'd say, oh, "I didn't get separation, bro. He's not supposed to. Not the way the back shoulder fade works." We just said Florida State just said our athletes better than your athlete. We're going to prove it. And then he gets a touchdown. Didn't separate. I don't care. That was not the point of that. They were thirteen thing. and zero going into their bowl game. Yeah, I I, I do and like I'm and I'm on the side of saying I I think Keon isn't the fastest guy. He gets separation because he's physical and has a big stride, but I don't think he's a pure separate, and I don't think a team should ask him to be that guy. That's not the way to you know, run your offense, in my See, opinion. But. And I, I also made the mistake in 21 of looking at the separation data and thinking that Jamar Chase wasn't going to be a great wide receiver in the NFL because he couldn't separate, when in reality, the separation – that Jamar creates is usually in the last 10, 10 steps of his or 10 yards of his route. Yeah. He has that gear and then bam. Yeah. yeah where he, he yeah. lulls you in, he lulls you in. Oh, I'm running, I'm running, bam. He hits that next gear and that's where he separates, you know? So, like, is it a it reach? Goes exactly back to what we just were talking about PFF, which is like, <laughs> you know, and I'm not, Mark, we're not trying to shit on you. Here. I'm going to top rope you. So go ahead and finish your point. I'll top rope. Right. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Yep. I'm yeah, not, then I'm done talking. Him. Yeah. I want Mark to do it. I want, I'm not going to get um, more ammo. You tried to do the Bowers comment about – I wish someone though. You said 22%. He had 22%. nine opportunities. He was like 2 of 9 this year. Last year, he was 13 of 17. So, <laughs> overall through his career, Bowers has had a great contested catch percentage. Just but saying, I'm just point, – I was point, I was pointing at the 1%. I mean, the one year where they're like, oh, 2 out yeah. of 9. It's like – yeah. What? Well, and that's the thing with a stat like that is the sample size is so small, right? Like, Keon Coleman, if you say, okay, he was 10 of 30, it's like one – are they charted correctly? And mm-hmm. two, if we rerun it over and over again, how many of those does he come down with versus where other guys were coming down with him, right? Like right. no contested catch is built the same. It's an imperfect stat. But the point mm-hmm. being is, hey, if this guy is that contested catch guy, that's kind of a red flag stat to me of, okay, right. this guy, if he's supposed to be that four five five jump ball guy, you would think he'd be a little bit more dominant in that aspect. So right. I don't know. I know you think he's dominant in that aspect. I've seen a lot of stats. People kind of freaking out over about it. So we'll see. I think I think the combine is going to answer a lot of questions about him. And I think quarterbacks. I mean, you see a lot of times too. Quarterbacks will put their guy in a contested catch situation, but that doesn't mean the throw is where it's supposed to be. And so not all contested catches are created the same, you know. Because as a quarterback, you know where the guy wants it or where's the best place to make him go get it. Where sometimes with Jordan Travis, like what was that? Uh, was it? The catch that Keon Coleman made late in the year where he like reaches behind him, John, and one hands it. And I'm like, Jordan, that's the worst throw I've ever seen. Like, come on, dude. And that's the thing. That's a contested catch. But and if he dropped it, it would go against him. Yeah. Fuck that. That is insane throw or an insane catch that he made as a contested. 
And he's not going to get credit for how insane that was. He's just going to get another notch on the oh, contested catch made. That is not fair. And that is Jordan Travis just giving him an absolute. And it, that's the thing. If there's a safety on the other side, that's a murder ball. Like he is dead. He's in the hospital right now recovering. And luckily there wasn't. And he made that crazy catch. But it's just it goes back to using our eyes sometimes. And, you know, I, I guess just going with your gut. You can't tell your you can't make yourself believe something you really don't believe. And I think me and John, I think he's going to run slower. But I think you and I are on the same page of this guy is wildly athletic. If he gets drafted, let's just say he goes at nine to the Bears. They take Caleb at one. They trapped him at nine to pair with DJ Moore. Do you think that's a reach? Or do you think that's... Okay. See, uh, you just led into exactly where I wanted to go into wrapping up this episode with. Okay. So we'll start with Keon. How high can he go? Is nine a reach, Jarvis? Depends what he runs, right? It, I, I would just say it all depends on what he runs. Because that's going to yeah. either verify or... It's going to verify it or if teams love him or it's going to scare teams away. If he runs four or five, I don't think there's a chance he gets up there. If he goes out there and runs like four, three, eight or something, and it's kind of all bets are off. You know, someone yeah. like really who loves him is like, hey, we had him, you know, top of the first round grade. Let's go get him. We verified that. So I think it's just very testing dependent. So, so here's what's crazy is I just did a mock draft of the Browns podcast, Browns draft podcast, and I had him go six. To the <laughs> wow. You're an insane I, I, I think well, I know I am insane, <laughs> but like I just got I got a feeling about this one, guys, where it's like somebody I, I could really see Brian Dable loving this guy. You know what I'm saying? Because the and, and the whole Giants front office, really, because they tried to bring in Kenny Galladay a few years ago. Yeah. To play that role. And Kenny failed. They want somebody like that. And I just. Right, and I, and that's the thing too. I don't think, runs, so. I don't think nine is too high. I think six is where he is the yeah. top end of where he ends up going, assuming that Harrison comes he, off. the I board. hope he runs fast, man. I hope he runs so fast. And that's the I thing. Even if he runs four five five and becomes a dominant player in the league, we'll probably wonder why he fell to twenty nine or thirty two. You know what I mean? Like it's gonna, it's just gonna depend on how good of a player he is. But right now, it's a height weight speed auction, so teams aren't gonna overpay if they don't have to. And I think that's why. Yeah, he has to run fast and. Remember the beginning of the year when I tweeted out what makes Marvin Harrison Jr. better than Keon Coleman? I didn't think <laughs> Coleman was better. I just wanted to hear people articulate it to me. And now it doesn't feel crazy, especially if he runs fast. But at the time, I mean, I remember getting blasted on Twitter. And uh, now he's being mocked to the Giants at six by John Vogel. So it's all it's Hey, all so last, last question to wrap this thing up. How high is too high for J.J. McCarthy? Let me let me look at Tankathon real quick. Got to look at the draft order. Yeah, I do. Hey, this is a really good opportunity to plug my draft document, which you know my draft guide has the entire NFL draft order in it at your disposal. <laughs> All right, how high? Is I would too say high? I would England. say two is not too high. No, that's not so. So let's say Caleb goes one, May goes two. Could New England shock us and take JJ at three? I mean, honestly, See, that's I, not the worst. That's I not the worst fit. I don't think Washington is going to be picking it too. You could be right. I I think I think Washington might be picking it one, guys. I really do. Yeah, but you're Just wrong. Think yeah, about you've it. Been, think about it. No, you, think you're about wrong. It. No. Think about it. I'm not going to think this. about it. Cliff Kingsbury is the offensive coordinator there. 
Caleb comes from DC, Gonzaga High School. The Bears want Caleb, though. They're not going to trade New- out. Of How do we know that? Because Fields is the worst. That doesn't mean they want Caleb. I think they want. Well, okay. So that's oh, that's also true. Yeah, that's the other thing. Well, what if they? What if they really like Jaden? What if they really like JJ? What if they really like you know Drake? I don't. Man, here's here's what I want to know. What's what's what do you mean by what's too high? Like it's off the table, not possible. Yeah, or like stupid. Like what are you saying? John? We're saying is it possible? I mean, yeah. I don't want to say he can't go one over Caleb. <laughs> the drafts are weird, man. I don't. You want to double, double down, Mark? You want to double down on this bet? <laughs> <laughs> I'd want on. much better odds than the the one hundred to one I got on Jaden for that one. But I think it's possible. I don't think it's completely. I think but the draft that top tier, like that top tier, you just it's weird things can happen, right? Yeah, it's not like he's like a Michael Pratt level or down. You know, it's not like he's a rung down. You know, um, so it's the same way with the receivers, right? We've seen Harrison was considered like he's in a tier of his own. He's locked up here at number one, and now we've seen neighbors and Odunze kind of climb up to where people are saying, "Well, hey, maybe Harrison's the second receiver off the board." You know, it's when you get to that top tier, if you can't split him, it gets weird. I think one and two is too high. I think three, if JJ McCarthy went third overall to New England. I wouldn't endorse it. I wouldn't say that would be my move as a general manager, but I would say that's where if he went, I would say, all right. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, let's see what he's got. Alex I think Van that's Pelt. the team. Yeah. All right. Which Gentlemen, is crazy to say. Been a great episode, as always. Going to go ahead and get us out of here. Uh, make sure that you follow the show at Sick NFL Draft, Sick Pod NFL Draft. You can follow all of us at Draft Vogel, at Gam Scout, at Jarvis Scouting. And we're off. We'll be back next time. Shane, get us out of here. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Draft Vogel on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.